0: All right, good morning, guys. Welcome to Trailhead Church. My name is Steve. I am the lead pastor, and uh, we are going to be continuing our sermon series called Unshaken this morning. Before we jump in, I want to encourage you, keep praying for Kempton uh, and for the team on the ground in East St. Louis. He's been working um, for years to get to that point, and they launched publicly this morning. All right, so they're over there right now, frantically working and and putting things together and, and doing all the initial setup. and. And uh, they're in those very exciting, very exhausting early stages of planting the gospel in a community. And, um, and they definitely can use our prayers, our church partners together with them financially. Uh, Kempton is a very good brother. And um, he, uh, he came and preached a couple weeks ago when I, when I took a week off and got to Colorado. Um, I figured it was probably the last time we were going to get him in. Uh, since they're launching on Sunday mornings as of now, so um, let's keep praying for them, okay? So as you think about them in the coming days and in the coming weeks, um, turn it into prayer, because they need it, okay? All right, so grab your Bibles, flip over to Philippians chapter 4. We're going back to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. It's page 982 in our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, grab one off the seat in front of you there on the little tray, and uh, just flip over to page... 982. If you don't own a Bible, um, please take that one with you. We, we would be honored for that to be our gift to you uh, so that you can continue to read and study the Word of God uh, after you leave here this morning. All right, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 4 through 9, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The Word of the Lord. All right, last week we took a look at the fact that at the heart of our passage is a command that seems impossible to obey. Do not be anxious About anything. Do not be anxious about anything, right? I preached that last week, right? So you guys had a great week, right? You weren't anxious about anything, right? Well, here's the thing. As we unpacked this last week, we're going to continue to unpack it. God doesn't command us to do something if he doesn't also equip us to do it. So the fact that we have such a radical command tells us that there's also a radical invitation. That he is inviting us into a kind of life that is fundamentally different than what we know. A kind of life that isn't driven by, exhausted by, racked by anxiety. That means it's possible for us to live lives of joy and purpose, without being exhausted and we see that promise down in verse 7 where he says the god of peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus right it's a crazy crazy promise especially to us because we live in anxious times and we live in an anxious culture everything everything around us is urgent right everything buzzes everything beeps everything vibrates Everything demands our attention, and we're continually struggling with with, what am I forgetting or what am I missing out on, right? FOMO is huge, right? Fear of missing out. You guys, we're plagued by what's happening over here and who's having what conversation and what's going on over here and, and what did I forget and what do I need to take care of and these things are, everything is urgent, right? We even have developed this new condition called phantom buzzing, Anybody ever have phantom buzzing? You're like, oh, hey. Oh, I don't even have my phone on me. I could have sworn I felt a buzz. Right? You're laughing because you know what happens. You're like, oh, hey, right? Phantom buzzing. We're, we're so attuned to the urgencies of our culture that we make up things to be urgent about. There are shifts, in addition, that are taking place in our culture. And these shifts can feel scary they can make us feel off balance. And some of the shaking that comes from that is honestly necessary for us as a nation, for us as a people to grow into who we can be and not just who we are. It doesn't make them any less unsettling. Some of the shifting, some of the unsettledness is senseless and violent and scary. And there are so many things to digest, right? When, when you're just getting to a place where you're digesting one thing, a, another thing happens. The world seems so small these days, right? With the internet, we're hearing about things and we're seeing things in real time, things that are on the other side of the globe. Right? This isn't like the good old days where you just had to worry about your town and maybe the town next to yours, and if something happened far away, you might hear about it. Some, we're, we're plugged in and wired to the urgencies and the anxieties of the entire globe. This morning I got up early to finish my sermon, or, or more accurately write it. Um, <laughs> and as I opened up my computer, my newsfeed comes up, And before I even start writing, I'm reading about a dumpster bomb that went off in Manhattan last night, injuring 29. I'm reading about a U.S. airstrike that was an accident that killed 62 Syrian soldiers and injured hundreds more yesterday. I'm reading about the increased tensions between the U.S. and Russia as a result. I'm reading about a lone gunman in Philadelphia who tried to ambush a police officer. And by the time that gunman was done, two police and three civilians were injured. Another civilian was killed along with the gunman. You guys, all of this took place in the last 48 hours. And I haven't even mentioned the typhoon in China, the ongoing suffering in Aleppo, the travesties taking place daily in Nigeria. This is the world in which we live. And I know this is heavy stuff. It's kind of a downer way to start the sermon, right? Even as I was writing it out, I'm like, I am following all the worst advice right now. You generally want people happy. You want them laughing. You want them to all get on the same page. But you guys, listen, listen. If this stuff is true, it needs to be true in the real world. If this stuff is true, it needs to be true in the hard stuff. God is inviting us into a new way of life, an unshaken life that is secure in spite of the shaking that is taking place around us. So last week, we took a look at this phrase, the Lord is near, the Lord is at hand. That God has drawn near to us in the person of Christ to bless us, to protect us, to deliver us into the freedom, the security, the joy of his kingdom. This week, we're going to be unpacking a very simple idea because God has drawn near to us in Christ. We need to draw near to him in prayer. So take a look at verses 5 and 6 again. I'm going to put it on the screen uh, because we're going to be sitting in these verses for a little while. And, uh, and I want you to be able to see where I'm focusing my attention. <laughs> not on that pop. In verses 5 and 6, it begins, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Right? The Lord is at hand. We looked at this last week. He's not far away. He's not distracted. He's not keeping His distance. We're invited because the Lord is near. We are invited to come near to a God who's drawn near, right? The image here really is is very powerful. Like a small child walking into a new and unfamiliar area with his father. He just clings closely to his father's leg. He, He finds security. He finds comfort in the nearness of his father there's a lot of threats a lot of unknowns a lot of chaos all around him but then the pure nearness of his father brings him comfort we have a god who has drawn near and then we're given the command do not be anxious for anything a command that seems impossible to obey I want to highlight something. It's a command to stop doing something, which is a really hard command to follow. Cuz once you're doing something and someone says to you stop doing that thing, it's it's actually very very difficult to stop, right? Do me a favor, I want you to do something. Think about your toes. Just how they feel. What they're doing. kind of just hanging out down there at the end of your feet, right? Now stop it. Stop thinking about your toes. Stop it. Stop thinking about your toes. How are you doing with that? See, once you start, it's very, very difficult for me simply to come in and command that the action stop. Once you've noticed something, it's impossible to stop noticing it, right? You need to replace it with something else, that's the secret with a negative command. When, when he says, stop doing this, it means you need to start doing something else. You need to replace that activity. You need to redirect your focus. Stop doing the one thing it means you need to start doing something else. And that's why at the end of verse 6, it says, But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your requests made known to God. Here's the thing, you guys. This is the thrust of where we're going this morning. If you want to stop being anxious about everything, you need to start praying about everything. You need to redirect your attention. You need to start praying if you want to stop worrying because you need to replace one activity with the other. Right? Now, take a close look at what he says. How often should we be praying? What should we be praying about? In what? In what? Yeah, I, I do this so you stay awake, so let's try one more time. In, in what? Everything. In everything. Everything. What isn't included in everything? Nothing. That means you should always be praying. That means you should always be praying. And for some of you, that may seem crazy. Because you're not much of a prayer. Maybe you're not comfortable with praying. Maybe you didn't grow up around prayer, or maybe you did, and, and, and your idea of prayer is, is something kind of formal, something that is spoken before a meal or before you go to bed, or, or, or maybe it's in a public setting with, with these and thous, right? Special prayer language that, that is holy and separate. And, and so the idea of praying nonstop really seems weird because you can't say these and thous 24 hours a day right? You can't, the, 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 the prayer you memorize for your meal doesn't work in other settings. And I'm not making fun, that, that's what I grew up with. It was very, very awkward for me when I became a believer, and, and I started moving into this thing called prayer. I mean, it just felt weird. It was really a foreign activity. There were times I'm like, I'm just talking to walls, right? I mean, there's, who am I talking to? Maybe I'm just talking to myself, because I can't see God, and and He doesn't respond to me, at least not verbally. We are to talk to God about everything. If you really push into that, you're going to be like, all right, wait a minute. So not only is it weird, that means I'm going to end up talking to God about a lot of really mundane stuff, (laughs) right? Like driving to work, picking what to eat, deciding what to wear, what to say in a conversation, how to interact with my boss. Surely the God of the universe doesn't really want me praying about everything. Surely this is an exaggeration. Surely he's just overstating it, hoping that we'll follow 10% of it, because that's already probably more than he really wants. Does he really want me plaguing him with everything? I mean, what a waste of time. Important people don't have margin for stuff like that. Important people need to focus on important things. The God of the universe has important things to pay attention to. More important than my commute. More important than my small problems. But listen, when God says that you are to pray about everything, He says exactly what He means. It's not exaggeration. He wants you to have an ongoing, never-ending conversation with Him. When you think about prayer, the scriptural model of prayer isn't this special event thing that you do before you eat or this special event thing you do before you go to bed or this special event thing you do in public places like a church. Prayer is breathing in the presence of God. Prayer is intimacy in the presence of God. Prayer is, is communicating and communing with the God of the universe. Because the Lord is near, you can always talk to Him. And unlike people, He doesn't have a limited attention span. Do you realize He can give you 100% of His attention and still hold the universe together with the strength of His Word? He can give you 100% of His attention and everybody else in this room 100% of His attention and everybody else on this globe, 100% of his attention, because he's not limited in his attention span. He can be fully, absolutely present with you and with everybody else. He can do this because he's God. He's not limited. And listen to me, he doesn't grow weary of our neediness. God does not grow weary of our neediness. We do. We often feel shame about how needy we are. When we have to come back and ask for help again. When we we have to confess that same sin again. When we're stumbling or weak in the same ways again. Because we know in our relationships with people, people grow tired. People will will look at you like, again? And if you're too needy, they'll pull away. Do not project that image on God. God never grows weary of your neediness because you're not anywhere clear. You're not close to even knowing how needy you are. What you think is needy is still pridefully independent. Because God designed you to be needy. God designed you to be dependent on Him. He's not surprised by your neediness. He's not put off by your repeated requests. He he is not disappointed in your ongoing failures. He invites you into His presence in your need. So He can meet you with His strength. Because we are never as strong as when His strength is manifest in our weakness. We are never as strong as when His strength is flowing through our weakness. God's not waiting for us to impress Him. He's waiting for us to be impressed by Him. God's not waiting for us to perform for Him. He's waiting for us to simply yield to Him that He might perform in us and through us for His glory. And for our good. God is not limited and does not grow weary. In fact, he delights in it. Because it expresses, as we express our need, we express humility. And we recognize in him the giver of all good gifts. So what does it look like to pray about everything? I mean practically. What does it look like to pray without ceasing right i mean that sounds like you need to be like this super saint right somebody who's just continually plugged in to the vibe of the spirit disconnected from the world and and probably not a lot of fun to be around right i mean what does it mean to pray about everything it means that you learn to start talking to god instead of talking to yourself that's what it means You ever notice that you're always talking? You're like, Steve, I'm the quietest guy in the room. Not in your head. If we were able to plug a megaphone into your head and have all your thoughts broadcast, not only would you be terrified and horribly ashamed, but you would be amazed at the number of words you say. Because you're talking non You're talking right now! In your head, you're interacting with me. You're processing my words with words. You are thinking and talking continually. And God hears that conversation. Because God is near. God God is not like, I wonder what's going on inside his head. He looks confused right now. I wonder why. Right? Right? God has the you're like, but Steve, those aren't even thoughts in my head. They're not actual words. They're synapses, firing. It's chemistry. Yeah, guess who made it? God can read your mind because he's the chemist who built it. Yes, he can hear you, even your quiet, unspoken words. He can hear the things you don't even allow yourself to hear yourself saying. He knows it all because you're always talking. So here's the thing, you guys. You're either going to look to yourself or you're going to look to God with your problems. That conversation is either going to be turned internally where, where you can process it, analyze it, come to your own conclusions, come to your own uh, self-salvation projects, your own delivery, your own, your own whatever it is, or they're going to be turned to God in humility to allow Him to analyze and interact with your thoughts. You're either going to talk to yourself, you're going to talk to God. If you talk to yourself, listen to me, you're talking into an echo chamber. Right? You're like in an empty room, very much like this one, where the sound carries very well, and it echoes right back to you. That's what's going on inside your head. So when you complain, you amplify your weakness. Because whatever you speak in that echo chamber gets amplified and spoken right back to you. So when you complain, those words of complaint come right back to you, and they amplify and increase your weakness. When you rehearse the bad thing that happened to you, the stupid thing someone said to you, the slight that you received from your spouse or significant other, when when you're doing these things in your mind, you're increasing your stress because you're amplifying your weakness. You're increasing your sorrow. You're amplifying your pain. You're rehearsing your wrongs and reliving your conflicts and reviving your hurts. And you are increasing your anxiety. But if you start to develop a conversation with God, if you start talking to God instead of just yourself, right? That thing you're rehearsing where you got hurt, you actually start talking to God about it. You kind of invite him into that conversation you're having with yourself. Hey God, this happened and this is how I feel about it and, and, and this is the way, way it makes me feel now and, and what do you think about that and, and, and do you think maybe you, know, you can speak into it? When you start talking to God, it shifts your trust. It shifts what you look to to find your strength. When you're talking to yourself, you can't help but look to yourself to have the strength to solve your own problems. You need to be big enough. You need to be smart enough. You need to be organized enough. You need to be in control enough. You need to be be talented enough. And you're not. And you know it. When you start talking to God, it shifts the locus of your trust. It shifts what you look to for strength to solve problems, and to give you direction. See, when you cry out in weakness to God, it increases your trust in God. When you bring the wrongs that you've suffered to God, you are reminded that He's the only one that can set them right. When you bring your conflict with others to God, you're inviting in the Prince of Peace the source of true shalom into your heart and into the heart of that conflict. When you bring your hurt to God, you're bringing it to the great physician and the true protector, the one who can actually minister to your soul in ways you don't understand. Everything. Everything. But Steve, my life isn't just boring. It's also bad sometimes. (laughs) What am I supposed to do with that? God's a holy God. I do bad things. What am I supposed to do then? Am I I supposed to talk to God about the bad things? Yes. (laughs) Everything. If we had more confession of temptation, we'd have a whole lot less confession of sin. If we had more people coming to God in prayer and saying, you know what, God, right now I'm really tempted. I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted, and I want to find release in the sinful activity. And that's where I'm at, God. That's really where I'm at. I think I'm going to go do it. But I want to talk to you about it. God honors that prayer. And I'm not saying he's going to protect you every single time, but sometimes he will. And what's amazing is that when you have a dialogue with God, even when you're in sin... He starts showing you things about your sin that you don't see in your natural blindness. You start seeing the ways that isn't actually feeding you, you start seeing the ways that it's actually robbing you, you start seeing the ways that it's robbing him of his glory and robbing you of your joy. You start seeing things like they really are instead of through the deceptiveness of sin. God starts opening your eyes. You're like, "Yeah, but but God's too holy to look at sin." Did God look at Jesus on the cross? When the Holy One who knew no sin became sin on your behalf, when He, the Holy One, the perfect One, who lived the life you should have lived, then died the death you deserve to die by becoming your substitute in judgment, becoming the embodiment of your guilt, taking your place. Jesus never sinned. He was perfect. But he knows about your sin. He has been tempted and tested in every way like you have. He did it without sin. And he knows how to meet you in your temptation. And he knows how to meet you even when you fail to call you out of your failure into his resurrection and life. Yes, everything. But Steve, I'm not even sure sometimes if he exists. Okay, talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. Yeah, but won't he be offended if I doubt his existence? I I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, seriously, everything. God, I'm not even sure you exist right now. I want you to. Because I desperately need you. Will you meet me in my doubt? Everything. All of it. Anytime you're tempted to talk to yourself, talk to God. He's there anyway. It's not like he doesn't hear the conversation. It's not like you're inviting him into some secret room that he can't enter. Just be honest. The Lord is near. Talk to him about your struggles. Talk to him about your short temper. Talk to him about your fear. Talk to him about your joy. Talk to him about your temptations and even talk to him about your doubts and your sin. You're not going to surprise him. You're not going to alienate him. You're not going to make him angry. As a parent, the absolute worst thing that can happen in my relationship with my child is when they lock themselves into their own head and they don't let me in. when there are thoughts and and conversations and reasonings going on in their head and I've been no longer invited to have influence in them. And I'm on the outside pleading with them. Don't lock me out. I love you. Don't lock me out. I won't judge you. Don't lock me out. I want to influence you. Don't lock me out. And their fear and their shame and the the temptation to lock us out. For a parent, man, that's the most terrifying thing. Why would God want any less with us? Why would God want anything less than absolute brutal and blunt honesty from us? He doesn't want us to perform or pretend. He wants us to be honest. And in our honesty, to draw near and trust. And in drawing near and trust, to invite Him in so He can meet us in our pain. And He can meet us in our weakness. And He can meet us in our failures. And He can show us that His strength is sufficient for us. God wants you to pray about everything. That's why there's two words for prayer. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, we're going to get to that next week, By prayer and supplication. We're told to draw near with prayer and supplication. These are two words that basically mean the same thing. (laughs) Like I dug in. I'm like, all right, Paul, why did you use two words here? There must be some distinction. There must be some nuance of meaning. It's basically draw near in prayer and prayer. Draw near with requests and requests. Supplication and supplication. Petition and petition. They're two different Greek words, but they mean the same thing. And I think it's because it's another way of saying come to God with all kinds of prayers. Come to God with all the different prayers, all of them. See, we often think about praying most when we need something the most, for honest. Like we'll give thanks before a meal, but. It, the reality is we've got about 5% attention focused on God, 95% focused on that delicious steak wafting its incredible aroma up into our nose. Right? right. Well, maybe 80% on the steak and 15% on the kid who, who wants to reach out and touch it. And you're like, no, 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 right? We often think about praying seriously. We start thinking like 100% about praying when we're in need. When there's a health crisis or a financial crisis or something's falling down that we can't pick up, something's in danger that we desperately want to protect, that's when we put 100% attention toward prayer, right? There's an old saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. I don't know if that's fully true, but I think it's generally true when there's a crisis, people turn to God. That's when they think about praying, when things are desperate and they need a God-sized answer. At least that's how they perceive it. I'm going to tell you something. That's actually okay. God honors those prayers. God's not offended by our arrogance. We have a humble God. And if the only time you turn to Him is when you feel like you need Him, He's not pridefully offended by you. He meets you in that prayer. But He wants more for you. Because here's the thing. God will listen in that. But if we really want to defeat anxiety in our lives... We need to come to God with all of it. Like if you really want to defeat anxiety, if you really want to respond to the invitation that is at the heart of this text, you need to come to God with all of it. When things are going well, you need to praise Him and give thanks. Don't become self-sufficient. Don't become self-glorying. Don't, don't kind of subtly tell yourself, hey, I got this thing. I'm doing all right. I'm in control. All the things success tempt us to say, no, just come to God with praise and, and thanksgiving. It helps keep you humble, right? When you see something beautiful, pause and worship. If There's a beautiful sunrise. You're like, you're the God of all beauty. Some of you are like, I haven't seen a sunrise in years. Okay. Maybe it's the fall colors, right? Maybe it's a sunset. I, I don't know. But whatever it is that prompts you, why don't you pause and not just go, oh, that's nice. Hey, look at that. Be like, God, that's cool. Because it's, it's you. It reflects you. The reason I even know what beauty is is because you are the true essence of beauty. And I worship you and I thank you for the beauty that moves my soul when you feel like you've been wronged, when you have been wronged, when someone has taken from you what it was not their right to take, when someone has said a word that planted an idea in your mind that it was not their right to plant, come to God. Ask Him to dig out that thought that will infect your mind. Ask Him to cleanse your heart from from the woundedness and the hurt. Ask the God of justice to act in justice on your behalf. To give you cleansing that you can't give yourself. When you have a deep need, come with your request. You guys, it is important that we actually pray in all of these situations. Actually pray. Pray. Actually, pray. You're like, Steve, that's not my, my spirituality works, man. I'm a little bit more intuitive. I just kind of feel things. I don't really say them. I got a tight relationship, me and God. You know, we, we don't need to talk. You know, we got one of those relationships where we just kind of feel it out, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 I feel your beauty, God. I don't need to say anything. I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> right? Okay, you, you need to use your words. That's what I used to tell my kids all the time. You need to use your words. Actually, use your words. Remember, You're always talking. And the key is to talk to God, right? That's why you need to let your request be made known to God. You need to actually make your request known. You need to speak it because that honors God. And it's important for you to actually say the words, the specific words. It is important for you to actually make the request. It honors God, and, and, and it humbles you. I would say it's important to even say them out loud. Yeah, that's kind of weird, Steve. All right, I'm not saying, you know, like on the bus, public bus, just start praying out loud. I'm not, okay? But I am saying that, that, that it is important at times to actually say your prayers out loud. Find a space where you can pray out loud. Dude, that feels weird. Okay, I'm all right with that. Because when you say the words out loud to God, you're not just saying them, you're hearing them. You're uttering words. You're you're making your request clear. And God works in you as you invite Him in. Because there's power in praying out loud. Now, He can hear you either way, God, God can hear your your brain thoughts, right? You can pray silently. That's not a problem. But I would encourage you at times when you can, pray out loud. To actually say out loud, God, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing your beauty. To actually say out loud, God, that, that is stupid. Will you fix it? To, to actually say out loud, God, I am lonely. Will you comfort me? Will you draw near to me in a way right now that just warms me, that that I can feel your presence? Will Will you give me good friends who encourage me in true life to utter your requests out loud? There's power in the request because it forces us to redirect our thinking, to stop thinking about ourselves, to stop thinking about our suffering, to stop thinking about our woundedness, to stop thinking about us, and start talking to God. So it's essential that you make your requests known to God if you're going to have any victory over anxiety in your life. Speaking your requests have power. Not for God, for you. It's not that your words have any special magic power. But God does respond. And listen to me, this is, you need to hear this. God responds to prayer. Prayer moves the hand of God. God. He tells us this in Scripture over and over and over. Prayer moves the hand of God. But doesn't God already know what what I want before I ask? Yes. Doesn't He already know what He's going to do before I ask? Yep. Isn't He timeless? Isn't He like at the end of my life and at the beginning of my life, at the same exact time? Like, like he's not trapped in time like me. He's outside of it. He's already there. He already knows what's going to happen, right? Yep. Listen, don't let your good theology lead to bad behavior. Yes, God knows it all. And yes, God does respond to prayer. God wants you to pray, to actually say the words, to frame the request, to humble yourself and ask but Steve, it doesn't seem like God cares. I've made requests and I didn't get what I was asking for. God doesn't always answer the way you ask. Just like a good parent doesn't always give a child exactly what they're asking for, a good parent always gives what's in the best interest of the child. And there are times that that the best you can do is look at your kid and just say, look, you got to trust me on this. What you're asking for isn't really what you want. Tim Keller says that God always gives us exactly what we would ask for if we knew everything God knows. If we're honest, though, it's not just that God has not answered some of your prayers. I know in my life that I often neglect my relationship with Him. And when I do that, I allow cynicism to creep in. And cynicism masquerades as realism a little voice that says, well, it would have happened whether you prayed for it or not. Actually hinders your ability to give thanks when he answers your prayers. It seems like a self-defense mechanism when he, when, when he doesn't give you what you're asking for. It's like, well, I, this is what was going to happen anyway, right? Here's the thing, it's pride. And when things are going great, that pride manifests itself, and you know it clearly. When things are going great in your life, if you don't feel a need to pray, You're prideful. And that pride will manifest itself as cynicism when things go wrong, because when things fall apart, you're not going to feel close to God. And you're going to blame Him for being absent or distant or cold. When He's in the same place He's always been, you've just lost your ability to sense it. He hasn't changed. You have. Listen to me, in everything, with prayer and supplication, with gratitude, make your requests made known to God. God has drawn near to us. So we have the incredible privilege of drawing near to him. And if we want to have any hope of overcoming the anxiety in our lives, we need to do it. I'm going to put a scripture verse up on the screen as we close and just ask you to read it. Um, meditate on it. Let let God speak to you in it, okay? It's out of Hebrews. It's one of my favorite passages on prayer, Uh, really encouraging to my heart. Um, But I'm just gonna let, let's create a space for the Spirit to speak to you. I'm gonna pray for us. Um, We're gonna have a little bit of time for you just to pray and and respond to God, and then we're gonna share communion. Um, We'll have somebody introduce that, so don't worry about that. For now, let's just focus on responding to God. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are a good and gracious God. I thank you That you're never put off by our sin. You know it all. Man, you knew it all when you sent Jesus to live the life we should have lived and die the death we deserve to die. You gave us your best to pay the price we should have paid so that we could be invited back into an intimate relationship with you. Spirit, I pray that this morning you'll call us out of our shame. Don't allow us to, to Don't allow the the flesh, that broken part of us, to lock us in hiding because we're weak. Don't allow us, because of our guilt over things we've done or said or or choices we've made, to not run to the fountain to drink deeply of your presence, of the cleansing of, of your love. Spirit, give us a taste of your presence. That in tasting, we might crave the greater feast. That prayer won't be an issue of self-discipline. It will simply be the manifestation of life. Spirit, awaken us to the incredible privilege before us. That we might come into the very presence of life himself to be renewed and strengthened. You guys, take a few minutes and pray. We'll share communion in a moment.